Welcome, listeners, to The Bug's Labyrinth, where I will guide you through the maze of secrets that make up our world. I am your host. You can call me The Bug if you must call me anything. A list of all applicable trigger warnings have been provided in the episode notes of every episode. If any topics are of any concern to you, please take care of yourself and skip this episode. We'll be right here for you next time. So, welcome to The Labyrinth. I will be your guide. I imagine I should tell you more about myself, tell you why I started the show to begin with. I do have a goal beyond telling you the truth of the darkness. But you'll have to forgive me. I don't think I'm ready. There will be a time when I will tell you everything. What happened to me, the thing I'm trying to stop. It's starting again. I can feel it. But not now. Soon. Just not yet. Mr. Weathers sent me an audio file along with the text document I usually receive with the event reports. I didn't know there were first-hand recordings like this. I'll read off the regular information, then play the audio file he attached. The One Who Consumes Entity Classification ID HHIH-26 Status of Entity Identified Classification of Entity Humanoid First Instance of Entity Unknown Date of Event November 12, 2019 through May 17, 2020 Date of Statement July 8, 2023 Victim of Entity Jamie McKenzie Assumed Awe The Consumption Can I ask why you're asking about her? I mean, it's been years. Has she popped up again? Follow-up. Alright, well, if I were to think back on it, I met her at this little coffee shop I used to work at. It was that rundown cafe over on Wellington and First. God, it sounds so cliche thinking of it now, but she had come in so often, all of us knew her order off the top of our heads, and exactly when she'd be coming in each day. The cafe was filled with regulars like that, people who liked their coffee a certain way at a certain time and didn't trust big corporations to make it well. An iced chai with a shot of espresso, oat milk, and just a dash of brown sugar and cinnamon. We made it a point to have it ready for her, and every day at 10 a.m. on the dot, she would walk in. She was... She was extraordinary. Even now, after everything that happened, I remember her walking through that door and just standing behind the counter in complete awe. My coworkers made fun of me for it. The dumb way I looked. The way I waited like a dog for her to walk in. 
I even started asking for midday shifts, just so I would be sure to see her. Fiona, she said her name was. But she told me to write Fee on her cups. And every time I would hand her the drink, her perfectly manicured fingers would linger on mine. Thank God she asked me out first. I've never been the type to make the first move, and I found so much comfort in the fact that she wanted me. I mean, I would have felt so insecure if I had asked first. I would be stuck in the cycle of wondering if she actually wanted to go out with me or if she was just doing it to be nice. The beginning of our relationship was the picture-perfect definition of love. She paid attention to me. She listened to me. She was constantly doting on me and doing big romantic gestures to prove that she cared, that she loved me. It was a rare week that there wasn't a vase of flowers on the counter when I got home from work. And not like the men I used to date, who just bought the bouquet and left you with the task of putting them away. She did the work. Fed the flowers, arranged the bouquet, and replaced them when they started to wither. I'm not sure I saw so much as a petal drop before there was a fresh batch to replace them. I was unabashedly in love with her. And I truly believe she felt the same for me. I had never felt so... held by someone before. So seen. At the risk of sounding crazy, even now, I cannot regret that love. It wasn't until about three months later that things started to change. Well, it's not that she changed. She talked about love in a way I had never heard before. I assumed it was just her being the romantic that she was, but... Love is to consume and be consumed by the one you care for. She said that a lot. I found it so romantic. It was a regular night, a weekend, I think. She was cleaning up the kitchen, doing the dishes, and I was making dinner. I only owned a few knives, because I never saw a whole reason for a block of them, so I used this massive one I had since college. I was using it to cut up some potatoes, and my hand slipped, the tip of the knife slicing the side of my pointer finger. I must have yelped in surprise, because Fee was immediately at my side. She pushed the knife away and took my hand in hers, looking so intently at the wound. There was a lot of blood, and it stung so much, but the way she held my hand, how soft her skin felt against mine. You nicked yourself pretty good, my sweet, she said to me, so calm, a smile creeping on the edges of her lips. She looked me in the eyes for a moment, her big, round, brown eyes catching in the light. Then she turned her attention back to my finger. She leaned down ever so slightly and kissed the cut, fresh blood coating her lips and dripping down her chin. Without looking at me, she licked her lips clean, then ran her tongue along my finger, taking all of the blood into her mouth. I didn't know how to react. Maybe it was the adrenaline or the look in her eye, but something about it. She cleaned me up after that, properly this time, carefully disinfecting and wrapping the wound in gauze. She didn't let me near knives for weeks after that. <laughs> then came Valentine's Day. She had planned this whole romantic dinner for us at her place. I remember we couldn't do anything crazy because of how badly it was snowing out. So she had bought everything we needed to make a lovely steak dinner for both of us. I was really grateful for it, too. I had been fired from my job at the cafe for one reason or another, and hunting for a new one wasn't going well. I was exhausted 
and like always, she knew exactly what I needed. Warmth, and food, and... I don't remember exactly how it happened. I remember the smell of cooking steak and onions and wine. We were laughing and dancing to some cheesy slow song she had put on while the potatoes roasted in the oven. She looked at me with those eyes, and I just melted in her gaze. I was intoxicated by her presence, her smell, her warmth. Love is to consume and be consumed by the one you care for, she whispered in my ear, before leading me to the kitchen table. I was dizzy from the wine and dancing, and when she brought out the knife... People do some crazy things when they're in love, things they wouldn't in any other circumstances. Things that seem so beyond stupid when seeing it from the outside. You have to understand that in that moment it didn't feel crazy or stupid. When I was in it, somehow it just felt right. She said it would only hurt for a moment. The knife is sharp enough, she assured me. Her free hand held mine, her thumb tracing lazy circles on the top of my hand. She was right, it hurt, the pain sharp and quick. But it was gone by the time she had taken the last bite of the ring finger of my left hand. I didn't question it. I didn't question her. I think... I think I didn't want to. She wrapped up my hand with so much care, and she gave it so many kisses and the love she made to me that night. <laughs> anyway, it went on like that for a while, and I swear to you, every time, the next morning, the wound would be completely healed. And somehow I didn't miss them. The parts she took from me fed her. I was filling her, and I was so grateful. After a while, I started to get this feeling, this hunger that spread from the depths of my stomach, from the core of my being. I think Fee recognized it, because that night she slit a small bit of her forearm and let me taste. Start slow, she said to me, and the taste was like nothing I had ever experienced. Like the most perfect wine, the most beautifully cooked steak. I always used to wonder how people end up in cults or how abusive relationships start. But you don't get it. You truly couldn't possibly understand until you're in it. Until it's your life. And I'm sure you're wondering how I could possibly defend her. But she never hurt me. Not truly. Not really. She loved me. I asked her one day why. That was it. One simple word. Why. Not out of anger or malice. Just genuine curiosity. Wonder almost. She smiled a little, something sad in her eyes, and shrugged. It's always been this way. The only way I can love. Fully, at least. It was my birthday, the day it all came crashing down. She had consumed all the fingers on my left arm, and my hand along with them. And Fee promised me something big that night. She set up everything. Rose petals, candles, wine. It was all set up in the bathroom, of course, to keep the mess to a minimum. We picked out the saw that morning at the hardware store, making sure it was sharp enough to do the job. 
She was so careful, so meticulous in her every movement, like she had done this hundreds of times before. And maybe she had. We knew so much about each other. Half of our relationship was just talking, asking each other questions, telling stories about our lives. I knew so much about her, but that was one thing I could never bear to ask. I could never ask her who else had fed her before me. I was never fully there when she cut into me, not mentally. I was somewhere else, lost in her eyes. But something shocked me out of that state. I didn't realize it until later, but it was my own scream that echoed through the small room that shook me out of it. Suddenly I was very aware of the saw that was stuck on my bone halfway through my bicep. There was so much blood, so much splattered across her soft features. She yanked the saw out of my arm, dislodging it from my bone and tissue, then cradled my face in her arms as I cried. The pain was excruciating, but I knew it would feed her if we could just get through the rest of my arm. I told her to keep going, that I was okay. As my tears mixed with the blood, my blood covering her arms, love is to consume and be consumed by the one you care for, I reminded her. She nodded, and together we cut through the rest of me. At some point, the neighbors must have heard me scream and came to check up on us. If we had just called out to her that it was okay. If we had just locked the door. The sweet old lady that lived next door walked in on that red-soaked bathroom and screamed. She screamed so loud I was sure everyone in the building heard it. And for the first time since I had known Fee... She looked scared. I had never seen fear like that, especially not on the face of my calm and collected fee. She pulled me to my feet, hurriedly wrapped up what was left of my arm, and put me to bed with a kiss on the cheek. I don't know if it was the blood loss or the adrenaline finally dropping, but I passed out as soon as my head hit the pillow. And when I woke up, to sirens and officers and EMTs, she was gone. There was a note on the bedside table the police gave me. After months of therapy and questioning. After the trail ran cold. A small handwritten note. It still smelled like her. And all it read was, I'm sorry. She apologized. And that's when my heart broke. And I finally realized that she was gone. I tried finding her for months after that. I searched every social media platform I could get my hands on, and I was glued to the news, hoping for any sign of her. But if you're asking about her, then she has to have shown up, right? Do you know where she is? Can I talk to her? I just want to know she's okay. This is one of the few reports of Entity HHIH-26. Each one consists of the same scenario. The Entity brainwashes its victims into falling in love with it before slowly eating away at them, piece by piece. Most other victims don't end up as lucky as Miss Mackenzie.
I've heard of toxic relationships before, but being literally eaten alive by the person you're in love with. I can't imagine. This is the first entity I've seen like this. One with a clear pattern and goal. Most other entities are seemingly random, attacking without reason and ruthlessly, but this one is sentient, a, a person or almost human. Reminds me almost of... Anyway, another story for another time. listening to The Bug's Labyrinth. The Bug's Labyrinth is an Amsel TV production. This episode was written, recorded, directed, and edited by Amsel T. Vance. Additionally, Stella Joe voiced Jamie McKenzie. Manuscripts were edited by Avery K. Rayner. Audio consultant, Danny B. Places and names have been changed for the privacy of all involved. Safety is the most important thing to us, and we will never compromise that. Follow us on Twitter, at Bugs Labyrinth, for updates and if you need to contact us. Rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the best way to help us out and get our story out there. And support our Patreon to help us keep making cool stuff. Until next time, stay safe, listeners. Listeners.